from Exos in Phoenix, Arizona. It's the Train with the Best podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman, sitting across from Natalie Collars, who is a performance specialist here at Exos. And we're going to get to know Natalie over the next couple of minutes and talk some training. And I've actually followed you on Instagram for a while, so um, I'm a little bit familiar with your work, but I've gotten to know in the last, what, five minutes a little bit about your story in which we will expand on. Um, so first of all, welcome to the Train with the Best podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you got started uh, in your home country of Canada. Um, how, like, w- tell me a little bit about young Natalie growing up, athletic background, and when did you become interesting in the strength conditioning side of yeah, things? Yeah, sure. So like you said, I grew up in Canada, um, like a suburb of Toronto in Ontario. I always um, love how people from Toronto say Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah, That's exactly. the proper, There's Toronto, no you're not from there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I grew up up there uh, playing all different sports growing up, but my main sport was soccer. Started playing when I was five um, and played all the way through uh, my whole childhood. So I actually went to school at McMaster University, which is also outside of Toronto. It's in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, I went and I studied kinesiology and played soccer there. Uh, In Canada, you have five years of eligibility rather than four like you do in the NCAA. Mm. Um, So people often stretch out their undergrad over the course of um, like an extra semester if they play a fall sport. So I actually played five years of college soccer up there and studied kinesiology. I was always into health and fitness before I went to college, but I would go to the gym and like read something in a magazine, go to the gym, try it out, but didn't really know what I was doing. Didn't we all? Yeah, exactly. Like loved like running on a treadmill or like picking up a weight here or there, but like had no method or system to what I was doing at all. So when I went to college, uh, that was the first time I had a strength and conditioning coach geared to myself well, and our, our whole team. And so after one year, one off season of training, I was just blown away by how being on a periodized training program evolved or changed not only like my physical abilities, but just my mental um, confidence on and off of the field. Like Mm -hmm. I just felt like it um, impacted my life from so many different or in so many different ways. So um, I guess it was after after my first off season, the strength and conditioning coordinator is named Steve Lidstone and I shout out Steve. Yeah. I have so much, um, to thank him for, but he approached me and was like, have you ever thought about doing strength and conditioning like for your career? And I was like, no, like hadn't even crossed my mind. Um, and so since I was in kinesiology and since I was on one of our sports teams, it was kind of, uh, a perfect fit, I guess, um, because I was already like introduced into that setting, um, but from the athlete's perspective and then was learning about it in the classroom too. So I started volunteering, um, and worked my way into their program, into larger roles, into an assistant role, um, then ended up doing some work with a semi-professional soccer team during my undergrad time up there too. Um, so it's different than the NCAA in Canada. You're able to be on like a varsity team and have a little bit more flexibility in your schedule yeah. than you would if you were down do you, there. Do you think that, like, do you think you are where you are now if you wind up going to an American university and playing? I don't, you know what? People have asked me that before and I feel like, no. Um, I don't want to say no for sure, but I, I know my path would have been a little bit different. Um, yeah especially in undergrad. And so I, yeah, I honestly don't know if I would have found this. That's interesting because I, so 
I went to one of the premier broadcast schools in Syracuse, but yeah. I transferred there. Okay. And I always thought that helped me because the first school I went to, to Middle Tennessee State, it was way less competitive. Like, I got a ton of reps as a freshman and a sophomore where I otherwise wouldn't have. Sure. Like, I would have just been, like, producing shows and been somebody's donkey in the studio sure. doing whatever, God knows what, not being on the air. So, like, I always thought that I, not to mention not having to deal with four Syracuse winters, <laughs> yeah. only having to deal with two of them. Yeah. Like, I always thought that helped me. So, I, I think that's interesting, too, that you feel like that undergrad experience kind of reshaped your path in a way that was really beneficial for sure and it um when he brought it to my attention when steve brought it to my attention and asked me like just a simple question have you ever thought about doing this i was like no i haven't but it kind of married my nerdy side that was in kinesiology and like what i was learning about in the classroom with my competitive athletic um athletic side that i was experiencing or putting my efforts into as an athlete so it married the two together and it just kind of seemed like a perfect fit. And I honestly think that it has been, it's just, I'm so happy that I found it. So. Yeah. It's, it's, you seem to, you know, done all right with the whole thing. Uh, how did you get introduced to Exos? Cause I yeah. think as we were talking, that's one of the next big steps in your journey. Yep. So when I graduated or when I was close to graduating, I met with Steve and he was like, all right, so you still want to do this? And I'm like, yes, never been more <laughs> sure. Um, and so he suggested that the best way to get your first good job is to get a really good internship. And so I had never heard of, it was athletes performance at the time mm-hmm. being up in Canada and being fairly new to this field. I mean, I was involved in an undergrad, but to a part-time, like at a part-time level, um, I didn't know a lot of the facilities like south of the border. So he's like, you got to look up this place called athletes performance. So I Googled it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the Disneyland of training. It just seemed like so crazy. It was like surreal. So I'm like, they do internships. That's awesome. And he was like, yeah, um, he had met, um, a gentleman named Jonathan Brooks, which he used to be a performance specialist with Exos, um, back then. And Steve had met Jonathan at a conference and had said, you know, I'd love to send down some interns if, um, if I think that they're deserving of the position, would you mind me reaching out to you about it? And Jonathan agreed. So again, when I was finishing up undergrad, had that conversation with Steve, he's like, you need to do a good internship. I'm like, perfect. Where do I look? Looked at athletes performance, um, sent in my application, had my interview with Jonathan Brooks and got accepted, thankfully. Uh, so I moved down here in the summer of 2013. Want to pause there? Yes. You're a Canadian coming to Phoenix yes. in the middle of summer. Yes. How was that? Okay. So people that know me well know that it was an easy transition because I absolutely love the heat Okay, (laughs) and do not like the cold so much. So I always get the question of like, how did you survive Canadian winters? Um, so it was actually, I was like, wow, this place is, <laughs> this I didn't is know what great. the desert was going to be like, but I loved right. it and I didn't mind the heat at all. In fact, it's a really dry heat. It. They said, exactly. Anyway, continuing. Yeah. So moved down in summer of 2013. There was an intern house at the time just north of our facility. So a group of like eight to 10 interns lived in the intern house. Jonathan Barlow, who's still a performance specialist here was our intern house dad. That's that in funny. quotes. Cause he, uh, he lived with us full time to make sure that we were you know, behaving, behaving. Um, so lived in the intern house, did my internship in the summer. Uh, and again, it, I thought it was going to be like the Disneyland of training, um, of, or performance. And it totally was had the most amazing experience, uh, was able to work with all different groups while I was here, learn from all different coaches, the dietitians, the physical therapists, all that. Um, so as soon as I got here, I knew that it was a goal of mine to come back and work for the company. Uh, positions don't always come up. Yeah. 
often. Uh, and so actually I, I, I left at the end of the summer and I went home for a couple months and then I came back and did a second internship specific to the NFL combine under Nick Winkleman and Dennis Logan, which was another amazing experience already had the foundation of the first Exos internship and was able to dive into a more specific experience, obviously mm. in the NFL combine and learn under with two first ever coaches train with the podcast or train with the best podcast, yeah, exactly. yes, Dennis Logan. Exactly. Um, so learned under them for another two months or so. And then I got a graduate assistantship at the university of Louisville. And you learned under, how to say Louisville. And properly. I learned how to say Louisville real fast. Louisville. <laughs> Uh, and so I worked, um, Tina Murray was the director of sports performance for Olympic sports when I was there. So she was the one that, um, gave me the opportunity to be the sports performance grad assistant. And so I did my master's in exercise physiology and strength and conditioning, a course based masters and did yeah, the grad assistant position. So I spent majority of my time in the weight room and in the facilities of the different teams. It was an incredible experience, really, really hard work. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but an incredible experience when, and it may have been at that point, it may have been in your next stop with Brett Bartholomew out in LA, which we'll talk about in a second. At what point did you feel like you were a good trainer? Oh my gosh. Some days I still come to work and I'm like, man, do I know what I'm doing? Or someone will ask me something and I'm like, I actually have no idea. I have a lot of those days where I'm like, okay, now I'm good, but three months ago I'm not. And then three months later, it's like, nope, still wasn't. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you look back and you're like, I can't believe I did For that. For sure. I think that that's a really good question. And I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that before. I feel as though when I left my internship here, the first internship, I was like, all right, I kind of like got it down. I had been in our system for like four months, um, you know, in the same building around the same coaches, similar athletes. And you get into your rhythm of like, all right, this is out exos or at the time athletes performance does right. things I'm comfortable with it. And I've had time to practice and sort of master the skills that I thought at the time were required to be good. But then right. I go to Louisville and they do things differently, right. similar in some ways, but also very different in others. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, and so I think that every time you go to a new setting or you're, you're given a new really big challenge, you sort of have that like check yourself moment of like, all right, there's still a lot to learn. Um, yeah, I'm good at what I do, but I can always be better. And there's always someone that's better than me. And so I want to learn from them and I want to be challenged by them. Um, and that was one of the biggest reasons why I had a desire to always come back to Exos um, was because of the large number of professionals that you're around on a day-to-day basis, whether it's other performance specialists, other sports dietitians, whether it's walking by Mark Versagan's office in the morning, like seeing him yeah. or whether it's learning from an athlete or another client. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think I'm good, right. <laughs> but I can always be better. So I definitely don't have it all figured out. I know that for sure. I think that's the correct answer. It's yeah. like, you know, at some point I was confident that I like, I wasn't going to kill anybody, but it, you know, it, you always learn. And, and some of the things you learn, you're like, I can't believe I didn't know that before, for which sure. is always, always interesting. And, and it'll like, it's invigorating. Um, and there's so much out there. Um, and learning, like, that's one of the things on the podcast we talk about all the time is like the, the learning from different people. And that to me, honestly, this is the best way to do that. Like, that's part of the reason I 
love this podcast is because I get to talk to smart people <laughs> and uh, pick their brains. And so uh, we'll make sure that we pick yours as we yeah. go and get past some of the biography. But just yeah. to kind of wrap up, yep. next stop was with Brett yep. in yep. L.A. Yep. So when I was finishing up my master's at Louisville, kept in close contact with a lot of people at Exos throughout that time. Mm. Brett was one of them, um, one of my closest mentors. So. Who also, by the way, has a very good podcast. Very good podcast. Um, great guy, great coach, even better person. So he, uh, him and I stayed in close contact and I learned about him going out to, uh, California and to to Los Angeles, uh, a place called unbreakable performance center. Um, and I ended up being his first hire out there. Um, so I moved across the country again, back to the West coast, um, and worked out there with him. Uh, that gym was, was great. It had a mix of professional athletes, some amateur athletes, and then some Hollywood pre- people too, given that it was like right in West Hollywood and the Hollywood Are Hills. you allowed to say so, like the most famous person you train or anything Oh my like gosh. That? I don't... Is I there mean, like the NDA that you're no, not allowed there to isn't. go back in? Yeah, no, there, there really isn't. Um, a lot of quote unquote famous people came in and out of there, um, but I had a really amazing opportunity. I worked with Demi Lovato. Oh, that's leading really cool. up to her future now tour um and and then on tour with her a little bit too so oh, wow. um she's an incredible person she had you know really specific goals as to like what she wanted to achieve before she went on tour both mentally and physically um worked with myself and dietitians and other people at unbreakable she's really into like um jujitsu and things like that so she had a whole team of people um, working and supporting her. And I was lucky enough to be one of them, um, and see her through like a, a decent part of her journey. Uh, and so that was a really cool experience, Yeah, but there was a lot of, yeah, a lot of different, if again, if you want to say like quote unquote famous people that came yeah. in. Um, yeah. I want to double click if you will on, yeah. on the Demi experience and yeah. more of just like the actual training because yeah. there's like these legendary stories of like Usher singing his guts out yeah. on the treadmill running at like six minute pace. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, cool, I can't do that without the singing and I can't do the singing. So I'm glad that you're talented enough yeah. to do that. What is training someone? Cause singing, dancing, like that is an insanely demanding cardiovascular sure. experience and their strength demands and all that kind of stuff. So right. what is it like putting together a training program for a pop star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I feel as though my beliefs in training are so, or what I believe in in training, my training principles are so strong. Like I believe so strongly in them um, that it doesn't necessarily change so drastically whether someone's trying to get strong or fit for a performance or whether they're trying to get strong or fit for another sport, right? Mm -hmm. There's certain things that are different. Of course, you're not necessarily going to train a football player the same way you train Mm -hmm. an entertainer, but if they both need to get cardiovascularly, um, you know, if they need to increase their cardiovascular capacity or they need to increase their, their their overall, you know, body, lower body, upper body strength, core pillar strength, whatever it is, they're still humans. Right. And I think we'll probably come back to this multiple times when we get dive into a little bit more of the training principles, but, um, they're still human, still a body. There's still increasing strength in one person is pretty similar to another. Um, I'd say it's more so, um, it was based off of how you frame it to them, right? Like why we're doing something, how this is going to help her either look a certain way, feel a certain way, help her, 
um, recover in between shows or perform a certain dance move on stage or whatever it may be. Mm. So there's certain overriding principles that apply to so many different athletes or bodies or humans or whatever you want to say. Um, but it's more so in like the little nuances of programming and how you frame it to them. Yeah. So I know Mike Boyle has been big on this lately on, on his Instagram page of like 90% the same. Like there is no such thing as sports specific training. It sounds like that's kind of where you lie as well. Yeah. I think that again, it's like, yeah, it's that like maybe 10% difference of at the end of a movement session with an athlete here, we're throwing them a football rather than, you know, having them yeah, throwing them a football rather than throwing a tennis ball to tennis athlete or something like that. Like it's, it's so many of the principles are the same and then it's making it a little bit more sports specific, um, for engagement and for carryover, you know? Yeah. Um, they're sport coaches, um, so you threw microphones at Demi is what you're saying. What's that? You threw microphones so at Demi. So I threw microphones at her. Yeah. Exactly. She was juggling microphones yeah. as her ESD. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Please I, pick I, that up, tabloids. This podcast <laughs> needs clicks. No, so I, I truly do believe that it's 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 probably around that 90%. Um, you know, increasing lower body strength is increasing lower body strength. Mm. Regardless of. I guess it becomes more specific to if they have injuries or if they have limitations or um what phase of training they're in but again that's not necessarily specific to the sport they're sport coaches who does that right you know i don't want to teach you how to run a route that's yeah, what your sport coach does or I don't right. want to teach you how to hit the tennis ball with your racket that's what your tennis coach does right so. it's a strength and conditioning session not a practice yeah exactly so yeah. How, you then after a couple of years with Brett wind up coming yep. back here yep. what would you say like how would you describe your role or like an average day if such a thing exists here yeah um, the cool thing about here is that not many weeks or months look the exact same so we have such a wide variety of clientele athletes well everyone's an athlete but right. whether they're training specifically for a sport professional athlete versus recreational sure. athlete we'll call them yep um a wide variety of sports a wide variety of ages of experience levels all that um and so i work with a little bit of everything um from our adult clientele to our youth athletes to our pro athletes to you know yeah honestly a little bit of everything so um yeah, each day looks a little bit different and that's or not necessarily every day, but week to week looks a little bit different and that's what keeps it interesting and keeps it fresh. We are breaking new ground in the ad on the train with the best podcast, which is powered by Super Coffee. I am standing in the Phoenix airport to record this advertising outside the Admirals Club where I absolutely don't belong, but trying to find a quiet place in an airport to record an advertisement that you forgot to do before you got to the airport is not easy, but we've done it. And I feel like I'm flying pretty high, which is basically how you feel when you drink super coffee or super espresso or power your coffee with super creamer, all of which you can get at drinksupercoffee.com for 25% off using the code train with the best. You like how I nicely tied that all together? Protein MCT oils, great flavor, 
That all ties together in the super line of products from Key2 Life Incorporated, who reminds you that if you can change your energy, you can change the world. Been on that super espresso kick. Remember, half and half, espresso, water, get yourself a super Americano. Now we're just being a super barista. It's just, it's super. So go check it out, drinksupercoffee.com. The code is train with the best, 25% off. Head there right now, because if you can change your energy, you can change your world. That is the key to life. All right, let's dive into some some training principles. Okay. What are the things when you're putting together a session for any type of athlete, recreational, professional, whatever, what, what are some of the first things that you're thinking of as you sit down to program? Sure. Um, I think looking at the end goal and working backwards. Um, so what are they training for? Is it um, a specific an event, a specific event, or is it a specific, uh, like maybe a show? Like if someone's a figure competitor or something like that, like is it a show or is it a season or is it a tour? Um, what is it? Like what is the end goal or what is the end date that we're working towards and what does that look like? What does that athlete or individual need to be able to do when they go to that specific date um, or enter that specific season and then work back from there. Um, so taking into consideration, yeah, what that event or life event looks like, season looks like, um, what the athlete looks like, what do they come in to us or to me looking like? Are they injured? Are they non-injured? Um, what have they really what did they succeed in last season what did they struggle with last season and then building a well-rounded program to set them up for success and I know that sounds super vague but um we dive into specifics yeah um let me ask you this though before we dive kind of back into that um and this is something that I have struggled with from a programming standpoint um it's almost easier for me to program for athletes okay I know how to do that yeah I have the end date like And Chris is always great at this because he's always like, my job is to get you ready for preseason. I don't need to get you ready for day one of the regular season. Like, I need to get you ready for preseason. Sure. And when I know that I need to get someone ready for preseason, like, I have a goal. I know what it takes to get them there. I phase things out based off the time that I have, all that. When someone comes in and they're just a gen pop person with no set time. Sure. What do you think about for those people? Because I've never quite, like, I know what I'm doing, but, like, I to to not get bored, to not you know, to, to make them feel like they've got some kind of goal. What are yes. the things that you kind of do when there isn't a season or a life event? Cause it's even different. You know, it doesn't have to be an athlete, right? Like it could be a bride getting wet, ready for her wedding. Sure. Like wedding day is, is, yeah. is the season. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. So yeah, that's like the life event that I talk about. Yeah. Right. So the people that just, they come in, they want to be in shape. Mm-hmm. Like how do you approach programming for them? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think that it's very important in those situations to create goals, um, if possible. Sit down with them like you would any athlete. Um, you know, listen, like ask questions and listen. So I hopefully, you know, get them talking more than, than me talking um, and really figure out why they're there. You know, a lot of people come in and they might seem like, oh, I'm just here like to get fit, they right. might say, or I'm here to be healthier or whatever it may be. It's like, okay, can we ask more questions? Like, why do you want to get fit? Why do you want to be healthier? Why is that important to you? Or what does that look like to you? Um, and then as you gather more information, hopefully that conversation leads to a little bit more specificity in terms of goals. 
So like, what would be meaningful to you? Would it be meaningful for you to run a 5k race? Would it be meaningful for you to change your body composition by X amount? Would it be meaningful for you to be able to, you know, chase your grandkids around the yard pain-free? Like what, what measurable things can we brainstorm or come up with, uh, and then base their program around that. Because if we don't, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be right away, but if we don't come up with those things, then I think it's harder to keep them engaged. It's harder to track whether I'm doing a good job. It's harder to hold them accountable. Um, and then over time, it just kind of goes like from program to program. And like you say, you kind of like, oh, I just feel like you doing get this bored today. or they get bored yeah. or whatever it is. And so having some concrete measurable goals for them that likely again look different than Mm -hmm. an athlete going off you know for preseason but coming up with those concrete goals and then designing the program around that and then we can figure out whether we're reaching them or not yeah i love that and that's that's what i i've definitely tried to do and um you know, sometimes those goals are like, I want to do one pull up. Yeah. And then it's fun because then you're like, all right, well, now let's try for two or exactly. All right, let's try to now deadlift this or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, I think that's obviously the correct answer. It's just, yeah. it's interesting to hear how people kind of approach those things and like what your examples, I think, are the value in that answer too. It's like, okay, here's this wide variety of things to choose from. If you need help coming up with goals, like hit the little 15 second back button a couple of times and right. listen to the options that Natalie just gave you because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. those are, those are really good. Um, yeah. and then in terms of the actual training, um, mm. you guys do a lot of systemic things here yeah. where like you kind of have set programs that I'm, I think you guys come up with kind of as a group, right? Um, or is it more individualized? Yeah. So programming is based off of, um, so when an athlete or a client comes in, they go through our eval process. Mm. Um, that's normally a physical therapy eval, uh, a nutrition eval, and then a movement eval. Um, so that would be like with a physical therapist, with our sports dietitian, and then with a performance specialist. Um, and then based off of based off of those things, and again the events that they're training for, whether it's you know wedding day or whether it's preseason, uh, the program is generated around that. So knowing that if there's an NFL group, you know, knowing that they're all going to OTAs at the same time or they're all going to camp at the same time, their programs likely look pretty similar with some individualization, you know, built into it, whether that's correctives from physical therapy or their FMS um, or, you know, whether that's just something that the coach or the, the, the specialist sees as best fit. So there's definitely not umbrella programs. Um, we you know, don't necessarily completely recreate the wheel every off season right. or every program. Right. Um, but it's definitely an ever evolving thing in terms of like, how can we do this better? Not for the sake of just changing it, but reevaluating what went well and what didn't go well. And how can we, you know, make this better next time this group of athletes come back. What would you say the staples of a Natalie Collars program <laughs> are? Like, what are the things yeah. that if I, if I were to train with you, like what would, what would you tell me to expect? Yeah. Um, simplicity for sure. Um, I think that I always describe it as like big bang for your buck exercises. So if you're, if you are fit to back squat, say, um, or deadlift or whatever it may be. Um, and I'm trying to get you as strong as I can. Again, if that was one of your goals, uh, 
I think that, you know, if you're getting stronger back squatting, I don't need to stop back squatting you just for the sake of like, all right, four weeks is up. Let's do something completely different. Right. Like let's maybe, I, I have definitely staple exercises, like big bang free back exercises, mm-hmm. a squat, a deadlift, a step, a push, a pull, whatever it may be. Um, and then the way that those are programmed in terms of sets, reps, volumes, intensities, tempo is a big one. Um, so simplicity, big bang for your buck exercises, and a variance in, um, you know, tempos and sets and reps. How do you, how do you vary like, tempos over time? Yeah. Um, starting more on like the isometric eccentric side and then going more towards concentric. I think that, uh, you know, doing a pull up ISO hold teaches you a lot about the position of a pull up, you know, yeah. you're, you're not moving, you're holding one position for whatever it is, 20 to 30 seconds. Um, but there's a lot to learn about movement patterning and neuromuscular, you know, coordination or control. Um, and so, yeah, starting on the isometric eccentric side, deceleration, uh, focused and then getting more on the concentric side. And you do that with pretty much anyone, like anyone will eventually move with speed. Ability. Right. If it's safe. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's one side of training um, or one component of training that can often be missed. You know, like someone's like, okay, I want to do pull-ups. And then we have them doing like band-assisted pull-ups. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to, to do pull-ups. Let's maybe do one isometric day, one eccentric day, and then, yeah, maybe an assisted day if we see fit. Um, but there's, yeah, a lot that can be gained strength-wise, um, movement pattern-wise, neurologically from from those types of from modifying those types of variables yeah Yeah. i god it's so funny to listen to you whether it's you or joel or some of the other people i talk to from exos because it's like i learned how to train from chris yeah he would like smack me for saying that he's like (laughs) no you learn from other people too like no i learned most of what i know from yeah he learned what he knows from here and like I think I told Joel this last time I was here. The first time I watched uh, Verstegen's Every Day is Game Day, yeah. I literally went, oh, that's where you got all that stuff. Right. And so, like, the tempo stuff and exactly how you guys laid out. I mean, some of this, it's obviously like Exos didn't invent this stuff. Um, I just think the way it's talked about amongst a lot of elite-level people started here. Right, for um, sure. So hearing you say some of this stuff is yeah. like deja vu all over again. <laughs> um, and I think, like you said, you you mentioned it being like a, uh, we have a system here, and we definitely do. Um, it's it's important to have it organized appropriately. You know, there's a reason why we do pillar prep before we do movement skills. Like, you don't want to, there needs to be a, a, a method to the madness and a reason why we do things in a certain order. You know, there's, there's a reason why pillar prep is the first thing that we do. Right. Um, there's a reason why movement prep is, the, is designed the way that it is. Um, and everything follows, you know, if it's a linear day, there's, it looks a certain way. If it's a lateral multi-directional day, it looks a certain way. And it's like that for a reason, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What has changed for you since you start, I mean, at this point it's been what, five years since you've kind of been introduced to Exos. Yeah. So six, I guess. Six, it's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So what, what has changed? What are some of the things that the industry has found new and better ways to do things that you guys have, have, I mean, sometimes you're leading that change. Mm. What are some of the things that you think of that you do differently now versus say six years ago when you first started? Um, I think back to that answer of like simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that sometimes 
when I was younger, um, I would think like, all right, there's got to be like a different way to vary this or like there's got to be a new, like better way to do this. And then you look and you're like, well, no, probably just like the way that I was doing it originally, <laughs> right. you know, might have been the best way. That being said, um, I think it's more, that's a good question. I think that there's definitely a lot of technology that's come into our field in the last, well, yeah, over the course of the last six years. Um, when I was at Louisville, I was blessed to be exposed to a lot of technology. Um, everything from catapult, like GPS tracking, to polar heart rate monitoring, to uh, Tendo units and gym aware and things like that. Um, which was great. I learned a lot from seeing those different tools and how they can impact uh, your training plan. However, I think that it's, um, I also learned that there's a time and a place for everything. Yes. Um, and that we shouldn't rely on the technologies, use it to supplement when necessary. Um, but that almost nothing is better than just a conversation with your athlete. Um, yeah. So, Everything from like, I've seen everything from surveys, like daily surveys, weekly surveys, like wellness questionnaires, I guess I should call them. Um, and it's like that you're getting tons of data, right? If it's daily, you're getting a lot, a lot of data. If it's weekly, you're still getting a lot. Um, and then at the end, you look back at the end of the season or whatever, you look back and you're like, okay, what did we actually like, do with this? Like, did we make any big changes based off of so-and-so's questionnaire or the questionnaires as a as a team in totality, um, or did we make most of our decisions off of, uh, you know, face to face conversation? So I think that's one, one side of our industry that's definitely evolved that can be helpful, but can take you away from your job as well of like being yeah. a present coach. How do you, so for me, when I have one-on-one -on -one clients, Sometimes they walk in the door and I go, nope, plan's not going to work today. I can see it in their eyes. They're dead. Yeah. They're tired. And I'll ask them like, like how much sleep did you get? Stuff like that. And you know, it's like, no, I'm just, I'm a little tired. I'm like, oh, well, let's warm up and then we'll make a call. Sure. And some days it's like, nope, today's a regen day or occasionally it's like, turn, go home. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you We're guys, not training today anymore. Yeah. Um, you, you train in groups though. Yeah. How adaptable can you be within a group setting and how do you try to adapt to an individual within that setting when you yeah. have to do those on the fly yeah. conversation based modifications? Yep. I think that that goes, yeah, from everything from, or that's applicable to everything from someone comes in tired, um, or worn down or someone's injured. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so being able to scale back what, one or two individuals are doing in a group um, is, yeah, definitely a necessary skill. I, again, whether it's like, all right, we're supposed to be doing four sets of five and I'm going to have you do, you know, two or three sets of five or whether we're back squatting and I'm going to have you do a goblet squat, you know, again, whether that's like an injury-based thing um, or, you know, returning from being sick or didn't sleep well last night or whatever it is. Um, so being able to scale back appropriately, whether it's, you know, volume or intensity or maybe modifying the exercise. Yeah. Um, and I think that just comes with practice. You know, the more that it happens to you, the more you're like, okay, 
I, I've seen this before or, you know, just because they injured their right leg doesn't mean they can't train today. I just got to modify a few things. <laughs> right. Like they still have three working healthy limbs. <laughs> so let's work with them. How many limbs you got today? Exactly. Three. All right, let's go. Exactly. So like, you know, in ESD, rather than doing battle ropes, like battle rope slam standing, they're seated because they have a lower body injury or whatever it may be. So finding strategic ways to still reach as close to the same training goal as possible, um, modifying it for them so that it's safe and effective and they still you know, especially for like their psyche, like they still feel like, all mm-hmm. right, even though I'm, you know, maybe taking not even, I don't want to say a step back, but I'm somewhat injured today. I still feel really good about the work that I got in. That helps so much psychologically for yeah. them. On the next episode of the train with the best podcast, we will talk with Matthew Wan, the founder and creator of Momentus, the newest sponsor right here on the Train With The Best podcast. You'll learn all about how Momentus, the highest grade of protein on the market today, was created. And you can get it right now at livemomentous.com. Use the code Train With The Best for 20% off each and every order. Again, that's livemomentous.com. The code is Train With The Best, whether you're into endurance type of events, they have a protein for that. Strength training, they have a protein for that. Just your every single day type of protein for smoothies, whatever it is, just your protein shake as a meal replacement, they have that too. And you can get it all, chocolate, vanilla, unflavored, all different kinds right now at livemomentous.com. The code is train with the best. And if you want to learn more about Momentous and more about Matthew's story, make sure you listen next week right here on the Train With The Best podcast. All right, back to Natalie. So we got like 10 minutes left and I got two okay. more topics I want to hit. Cool. Let's transition very smoothly right into kind of that whole psyche part of it. Okay. Natalie Collar's the coach. Yeah. When you think of yourself as a coach, not necessarily the programming side, the yeah. you're in it with your athletes. How have you developed from being an athlete and what do you take from that to someone who is now obviously on the training side, working with people day sure. in and day out of all different levels? Yeah. Um, can you be a bit more specific or like, yeah, like what, let me ask you this. Let me just rephrase in a very simple way. Okay. What makes a good coach? What makes a good coach? All right. Someone that is empathetic, someone that is relatable, um, someone that cares, someone that's knowledgeable, uh, someone that's been through it before. So someone that's very competent, um, and someone that's relatable that's not necessarily all the qualities, but those are the, you know, the things that come to mind first. So I think that, you know, being able to, there's like, you know, that quote, it's like, no one cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Right. Yes. Um, I think that's extremely true. Um, I have experienced that before many times. Uh, one of one story that always stands out to me is, when I went to Louisville, I worked with diving and the diving team is small at Louisville. They had been, they had had a bunch of different strength and conditioning co- or like, uh, performance coaches, uh, over the course of the last two to five years, I think they had had someone new every year. Um, and one of the seniors had experienced that she had someone new every year that she was there. You know, she was a fourth fourth year. Um, and so when I came along and I had them, she's like, Oh my God, we have like another new person. Uh, and so I went over, I introduced myself to her and she was like, have you ever even worked with diving before? That was her first response. And I was like, Oh shit. Like this is, that's not like the response I was really hoping yeah. for. Um, this girl's Good a bit to meet tough. You too. <laughs> yeah. 
But I was like, all right, you know, again, tried to be empathetic. Uh, and I was like, no, I actually haven't worked with diving before familiar with the sport, but haven't worked with it specifically. However, I'd love to set a time to meet with you to learn about your experience so, so far at Louisville and what you've liked in the program and what you haven't liked. And ultimately I want to learn more about you and about diving. Um, and she was like, whoa, like, okay. And so I met with her, we talked, you know, she taught me a lot about diving, but ultimately I learned again about her and over the course of a week or two after that meeting and working with her and the rest of the team, she was bought in and I for sure hadn't made her, you know, more powerful or stronger or, you know, more injury proof by then. It had been like three sessions together total. Right. Um, but she was bought in. So definitely caring, you know, definitely empathizing with why she might've come at me like that of like, have you even worked with diving before? Um, and then, yeah, you obviously need to be competent. Uh, you need to be good at what you do, have sound principles and reasoning behind everything that you do. Um, and then hopefully you've gone through it before. And what I mean by that is like, I don't believe in teaching someone that I haven't teaching something to someone that I haven't done before. So I think that's where my background as an athlete at a high level, um, helps me, uh, because I've seen, I, I, I've been through a lot of the things pretty much all of the things that I've asked my athletes to do myself. And they can tell, you know, if you're mm. like cheering someone on or encouraging them through a hard conditioning session, they can tell whether you've done five 300 yard shuttles before and whether yeah. you can empathize or understand with like what they're going through, you know, or an athlete can tell whether you know how to power clean when you're giving them cues or demonstrating something. You know, and, and I guess that goes back to like just being good at what you do. Like uh, yeah. we always talk about really good demos and um, that a good demonstration and almost no verbal coaching can go a long way. And so you got to be able to dis display competency to the athlete and they got to be confident that you know what you're doing. You know, yeah. otherwise it's like, all right. Chris has a term for that and I can't, it's basically like the magic trick or something like that where it's just like you do and we always joke, all you need is a trainer is one good rep. Yeah. Like don't ask me yeah, to do it yeah, again. Yeah. But you or don't ask her on yeah. my bad leg. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> or my bad side. Yeah. Um, yeah, just one one good rep and that goes a long way. For sure. Um, sidebar and then I went to the final topic. Yeah. Yes, the uh, the demonstrations go a long way. Yeah, but we are sitting in Joel's office, and he is the master of verbal cues. Your yeah. favorite Joel Sanders oh, coaching cue is this is a hard one. There's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. Okay, um, I don't yeah, know Joel, how he comes I am currently with that. sitting in your chair, so I got to come up with a really good one. Thanks there's, for making it through 40 minutes of the podcast, yeah, Joel. Yep, there's he will so too. many to choose from. Um. I love I, the one I use all the time is the med ball stuff. Like okay. take flashlight on your back hip, shine sure. it at the wall. Yep, that's love that. probably that's probably my favorite. Yep, I have a more aggressive one for that. It's like imagine you're shooting a bullet out of your hip at the wall. I need that's to use a that little bit more aggressive. I have so many people but, that are just like, eh. yeah. Um, but as no, I, I swivel love softly, yeah. The, the flashlight one that he uses, all of his flashlight ones. Uh, one recently that I love, super simple, um, but. I definitely did not have a good cue for it before Joel. So I'm going to say this one. Okay. Uh, bent over row, like three point bent over row. Uh -huh. Imagine there's paint on the dumbbell. Don't get paint on your shirt. You know, people often over pull. Yes. They kind of get their, like their shoulders starts to roll forward in the, yeah. uh, their humus starts to roll forward in the joint. Um, yeah. He says, imagine there's paint on the dumbbell. Don't get paint on your shirt. You're going to pull to an appropriate um, range of motion rather than over pulling 
having that shoulder surgery on the socket. So love that one. And I've found it works real well. So thanks Joel. Yeah. He has so many, but I'll, we'll go with that one for today. Someday Joel should just publish a book of cues. Yeah, absolutely. I would buy it. I'm sure he's already, Joel, you better better be writing, you better be writing (laughs) these down. Uh, If not, just like, as you start, as he starts coaching, just be like, yeah. Write down this For one, sure. flashlight, wall, got it. For sure. Parentheses, Natalie's aggressively. <laughs> no. Um, all right, yeah. last thing I want to talk about yeah. with you is this idea of being a female strength coach. Sure. And before I bring up another thing with this, what does that mean to you? I want to start there. Yeah. Um, I think that it means that, pause on this. Um, I go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I kind of think two different things about it. Sometimes I think that I don't want to be called a female strength coach. I just want to be called a strength coach or a performance specialist or whatever it is. Um, and then I don't want to drink, uh, draw more attention to like the female side that I'm just like, no, I'm like everyone else, male, female, whatever it is. Um, and then on the other side of it, sometimes I'm like, no, it's obviously a reality. I'm a female. So like, why am I trying to not say like, why does it? Why am I avoiding saying I'm a female uh, performance specialist or female strength coach? And so I think that what it means to me is that, or what that means to me is that there's not that many of us. It's just reality. There is still um, way more males in our part of the field than there are females. Um, And so... Number one, I hope to grow the female side and inspire young females to still pursue this um, despite there being less of us. And then number two, I think there's a lot um, of responsibility that comes with that. So I think that uh, I never like to say you need to be, I need to be better than a male because I feel like that sounds weird. Um, But sometimes I do think that. It's like if a male and a female are going for the same job in our industry at a high level, that I kind of still think that the female has to be better than the male to get that job, just given like that in there's less females. In some places it's true. It's not um, right, but it's, it right. is true in some places. Right. And so, um, you know, some people might be frustrated by that. I love that. I think that it motivates me. And um, again, back to our thing of like, when did you know that you were good or what? You, when did you know that you knew what you were doing? It's like whether I – you know, however much I know and however much I don't know, um, I use that responsibility of being a female to like push myself to always be better. Like, what can I do to be better? Who can I, you know, who can I talk to this week or what podcast can I listen to? Which I need to get better at listening to podcasts, but, um, uh, we, this would be about the 85th episode. You can catch up all you want. Exactly. Um, or what book can I read? You know, what yeah. can I do to get better? Um, so yeah, I think those are like kind of the two different avenues. Sometimes I look at it as like, I don't want to think of it in any different way. And other times I'm like, nope, it's just reality. This is how it is. I want to inspire young females to pursue this. I want to take the responsibility seriously. Um, I want to conduct myself always in a professional manner, um, so that I'm viewed and taken seriously. Um, 
And yeah, I, I, I do take that responsibility, that responsibility very seriously. I think it's interesting. You term it as a responsibility and yeah. I will tell you to bring this basically full circle who kind of like really made me start to think about this. Um, it was on Brett's podcast with yeah. Jamie Loeffler. Okay. Who yeah. obviously works with you guys yeah. in Frisco and she is one of the biggest badasses on the planet. Yeah. Um, she and I message back and forth all the time and sure. she will be a future guest on this podcast yeah. once I can figure out how to get to Dallas. <laughs> For sure. Go see her. Um, but she was on Brett's podcast and just goes like, I don't want to be thought of as a female strength coach. Exactly like you said. Like, yeah. I just want to be thought of as a strength coach. Right. But I think it's interesting too because there is that, that exactly as you put it, the reality side. Like, yeah. okay, I am. And if you can use that as a positive thing to inspire others, then yeah. more power to you. Yeah. And I think that everyone brings a unique perspective to their workplace, like their whether it's here at Exos or whatever setting you work in, you know, I think that obviously, hopefully everyone brings a unique perspective. And I think that, uh, sometimes being a female, you, that's a unique perspective in itself. Well, I will say, I don't know how many males, if any, I would have asked the, what makes a good coach question. And the first thing they would have said is empathy. Right. And I yeah. think that is the correct, like that should be the first thing that everybody says. Sure. Um, and if you have the emotional intelligence to understand that, then yeah. like, good for you. That's not something that's going to be based on gender, for sure. but I don't know how many guys would think that way, but there's going to be a lot of ones who listen to this podcast now that will, because you said it. Hopefully. I like that perspective. I'll take it. <laughs> and so I just, I think yeah. it's interesting and you're right. Like there's a reason that di like diversity is not a, a stat sheet and that'd be actually a good title for this podcast. Yeah, that, that um, would be, <laughs> yeah, that'll catch people's attention. To, yes. Um, diversity is not about a stat sheet. Diversity is about different thoughts, different perspectives, different ideas coming together and then being able to create a better atmosphere that we're, you know, it rises or everybody's level rises for because sure. of it. And so to have, whether it's you here, Jamie in Frisco, I work with a bunch of females. My boss is a female in, sure. in my place. Um, but especially once you get to the higher levels working with like professionals and stuff like that, like I hope that people like you get more opportunities, people like Jamie get more opportunities and, and others who, um, you know, at least Caldwell at DBC, who's incredible. Like she gets more opportunities because that's going to change the game as a whole for the better for the reasons that we just discussed. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. But at the same time, we, when we say like, who are the best female strength coaches? I don't think we have to do that either. We can just say like, who are the best strength coaches? And there should be females on that list. Sure. And we shouldn't have to be like, oh, and the best, the best chicks are right. Like, no, those people. Well, yeah. And I, like, I never want a vote just because I'm female. Like, I don't want someone to say, oh, we need a female. So like, we better add Jamie or Natalie or whoever it is. It's like, no, I want to get that position or that opportunity or whatever it is because I deserve it regardless mm -hmm. of gender. Um, so yes, I do agree with you on that last point for sure. Cool. I think that's a good place to end it. All also right. Because you have, you have to go back to being Coach Natalie. Yes, yes. Uh, Natalie Collars, thank you so much for your time and for hosting me here at Exos. And yeah. thanks for coming on the Train with the Best podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun.